Hello, BYWG Tribe. This is Dr. Noah. Here is a quick peek at our supplement, product, and book of the month for May 2020. At the end of the podcast, I'll spend a few minutes going into further detail, so we encourage you to listen to the end. The supplement of the month for May is our Deep Sleep Assist. The 10% discount code for the month of May is SLEEP10. That's all lowercase. It's case-sensitive. It's S-L-E-E-P-10. Our book of the month is High Fiber Keto, a 22-day science-based plan to fix your metabolism, lose weight, and balance your hormones. Our product, Company of the Month, is Pretty Frank, formerly called Primal Pit Paste. 100% natural ingredients, zero cosmetic BS. All the links, discount codes, and special offers for the product, supplement, and book will be listed in the show notes and iTunes, posted on social media, in our weekly newsletter, and on our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com at the Listen Now tab. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. I'm excited for today's guest, just about as ever as excited as I've ever been. Several years ago, I had the absolute pleasure to spend a weekend workshop with Bo in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, working on my or our personal story, and I've been enamored with Bo's work ever since. I recently took his mini 21-day course and just finished his new book. I'm a huge fan. I am absolutely gushing right now. How all, how are you today, Bo? I'm doing good, Noah. Just like, uh, just like you know, when we're recording this, everyone's kind of in lockdown, so we're, uh, you know, we're doing our best. I I hear you. Well, thanks for being on. Let me just run through your bio, uh, and then we'll get started. Bo is a speaker, performer, and author. He started his career in the NFL as a top pick for the Houston Oilers, continuing on with San Francisco 49ers. During his five-year career, Bo competed beside and against some of the greatest players of his generation. After his football career ended, he branched out into acting and wrote a one-man play called Run to the Litter that had an extended off-Broadway and 50-city national run. Now in his third act as a speaker and leadership coach, he trained some of the most successful people in the world, including athletes, artists, entrepreneurs, and C-suite execs on how to communicate for maximum impact and success. <clears throat> he has consulted for clients like Advisors, Excel, Morgan Stanley, Dimensional Fund Advisors, Mass Mutual, Guardian, Merrill Lynch, and Bank of America. Woo! Well, you know, I've, I've, I've had the pleasure to uh, hear you speak in person. Uh, I've listened to tons of your audios, but for our audience uh, can you give us like a Cliff Notes version of your story um, so our audience get, can get a feel who you are? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I'll try to make it as Cliff Notes as possible. Um, <laughs> like when, I was, when I was a kid, when I was nine years old, I drew up a 20-year plan with school paper uh, to be the best safety in the world, the best safety in the NFL. And, um, and many years later, through a lot of uh, – through a lot of pushback and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, obstacles in my way, you know, I ended up being a top safety in the NFL. And then after that, I did the same exact thing. I didn't know what to do with my life after, after having seven knee surgeries and I couldn't play anymore. So I just did the same thing that I did when I was nine. I just created a new plan and, and this plan was to be the best stage performer. So, after 18 years of, you know, training at that and attempting that, I, I ended up off Broadway in a one man show called Run to the Litter, which, you know, was named by the by the New York Times as the most powerful play of the last decade. And it's being made into a movie. And so 
after the, I finished with that, I did that play for like 17 years. <clears throat> and then I did the same thing in the speaking world. I said, I want to be the best speaker. Let's try that. Let's just keep trying this best thing. So I wanted to be the best safety. Then I wanted to be the best uh, stage performer. Then I wanted to be the best speaker and then author and playwright and all these things. So I just kept attempting these things and I kept repeating the same word every 20 years, which was the best. And uh, and then here we are today. <clears throat> you know, I wrote this book called There's No Plan B for Your A Game. And it became a seven-time bestseller here as we as we speak. And so this word, the best, keeps creeping into my life. And, uh, you know, it all goes back to the way my dad woke us up when we were kids. He woke us up. I'm the youngest of six kids. So he woke up my four older sisters, my older brother, and me by rubbing our back early, early in the morning, because he, he was a rancher, a farmer, and uh, at five in the morning, he would wake us up, rub our backs, and tell us that we were the best. And he would, he would uh, as you know, the, the, the men of that generation, of my dad's generation, every other word was a, was a cuss word, right? So, so every, every morning when he woke us up, he would drop in a few a few cuss words as he told us we were the best and told us to get out of bed because we were the best. <laughs> and that is pretty much my story. That's pretty much what I've done my whole life. I've done the same thing over and over again, but I've just done it in different disciplines and different occupations. Um, why? Let's start here because I think this is this is was so important for me when I took that weekend course in creating my story. Why stories, Bo? You are an absolute master storyteller, uh, the best I've ever heard. I know whoever tells the best story wins. I believe that 100%. So why, why stories? Yeah, because it just goes back to human nature. It goes right back to our ancestors, and that is the one thing that is connected generation to generation. Even the ancestors you didn't even know, uh, that's how they taught uh, the young how to hunt how to survive, how to compete. And that's gone generation to generation. So story we know works, but here's, here's what I like in the current situation. So we're at, a we're at the lowest level um, of trust that, that, that has ever been in the world. So uh, Gallup does a poll every year since 1974 and in 1974 they they asked a simple question Gallup and they said this do you trust your neighbor and back in 1974 two-thirds of the people trusted their neighbor so those are the people they they, they share a, a fence with a backyard fence with two-thirds of the people in 1974 trusted their neighbor well today they've done that that Gallup poll ever since, today it's at its lowest level it's ever been, which is one third of people say that they trust their neighbor. So if you think about that, Noah, wow, what does that mean if you live across the street? Or what does that mean, what are the levels of trust for somebody in the next town or the next state or the next country? The trust levels just go down and down and down until we don't trust anybody anymore. And the people that can share themselves, that can tell their own story, 
those are the ones who will be on the leading edge of us restoring and rebuilding this erosion of trust over these years. And that's us, you know, that's us on this podcast right now. So if you have the bravery and the willingness to share who you are, kind of like what I did to open this podcast, it was simple. It was a minute and a half, but it, 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 it takes all the trust that, uh, the erosion of trust that's been built up over time. And it, it, it lets everybody drop their guard because they're hearing about a kid who grew up a certain way and they're hearing a personal story and they go, Oh, I'm, I'm like this guy or I'm like, I, I had a dad like that or I had a, a family like that. Oh, I grew up on a farm. All they're looking for is these connective tissue that a story lays out and all of a sudden you've got trust. Well, that, you know, there's, there's this study that's been done, Noah. Um, and it is, uh, it is of leadership. And the study goes all the way back to Julius Caesar in the middle of the Roman Empire. And the study went all the way through to the presidential election here in America in 2012. And what they did was they studied leadership. And here's the question they were asking themselves. Why do people follow people? Why do people follow other people? And the number one ability <clears throat> that all those people had to have, and that, we're going back to Julius Caesar, all the way to Lady Gaga was in the study, all the way to Osama bin Laden, of all people, in the study. But the study, you know, it just wasn't of presidents and kings and queens. It was why do people follow people? And the number one ability that every leader Every person that has had people follow them, whether it's Osama bin Laden, Lady Gaga or Julius Caesar, all had one ability. They had the ability to share their own story. And that gives people connective tissue to then trust you and follow you. Now, um, story can be used for evil and it has been in history several times, right? Like you can get guys you can get people to fly airplanes into buildings based on a story, or you can inspire people. You can put a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth based on a story. And so that's why, you know, if you give story, uh, if you put story, it's, a, it's such a powerful tool that if you, if you give it to the wrong people, it can be used to really make some, you know, really get people to move in a certain way, in an evil way. But if you think about Hitler, the one thing he was, you guys, right, was an amazing storyteller. So amazing the damage that can be done by storytelling. But then, then think of it uh, from the other side. Think of it like, wow, the Declaration of Independence that we that our, you know, our forefathers wrote 250 years ago, they wrote that. We don't even know those guys. We didn't, we weren't related to them. We don't know them. We didn't have any part in writing it. They wrote it. Yet every single, and all that is, is that declaration is a story. It's a story of freedom. We will live a certain way. We'll speak a certain way. We'll, we'll walk freely. We'll live freely. And this is how we're going to bring our country, our freedoms and country into existence through story. And yet 
even though you and me, Noah, and everyone on this podcast, we didn't have anything to do with writing the Declaration of Independence. Yet, if you live here in America, you bring that story into existence. You bring the story to life every day by the way you express yourself and the way you move freely throughout the world. Now, that's how powerful story is. So, um, you know, people go, well, story, it's, it's light, it's, it's soft, it's, you know, something I don't need. Well, no, no, it, it, it is, I'm telling you, especially with what we're going through now, right, your story becomes even more valuable. And, 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 and Noah, here's the first pushback that, you, that you'll get, right? The first thing that people want to say when I tell them their, their story is valuable they usually say, no, I, I've kind of lived kind of a boring life or my life's been kind of mundane. Well, it is to you because you lived it. Right. But to me, it's not because I don't know your story. And as soon as you tell it to me, now you and me connect. Now you and me are one. So for me, telling you a story about playing in the NFL so, so that seems kind of boring to me, seems, seems kind of mundane, right? Because I did it. I lived that life. But to you, it sounds like, oh, that's cool. That guy played in the NFL. That must be cool. So that your story is exactly like mine. No one's heard it. You have to have the bravery and the courage to actually share it so that people connect to you and follow you. So then, so then. Other than not thinking that your story is mundane, when somebody is about to sit down and write their story, what do you suggest is the most important thing that they think about when they start this process? The most important, the first thing you should think about is it's got to be personal. Most of us try to distance ourselves from our own story. You've heard people do this before. Um, these are people like, if you watch the news, do you know if you watch a news commentary, um, nothing's personal to them. So that's why you don't trust them. That's why you have no connection with them because nothing's personal. They share nothing personal. Uh, politicians are like this too. Typically, they'll, nothing will be personal. So there's no connective tissue for you to connect to. I want you guys to not be like politicians and not be like news commentary where the trust is so low. I want you to have the courage to be personal with your story. So your story may sound it may start off something like this. When I was nine years old, my grandfather sat me down and did this. When I was 21 years old, I met this girl and I said, man, I'm going to marry her. Those are the beginnings of great stories, even though they may not be over dramatic. What they do is they connect you to your audience because your audience sees themselves inside your story. So the more personal your story is, the more universal it becomes. So the more personal for you, the more impact you have on an audience. If you make it impersonal, like it's a theory, like it's informational, don't do that. Make it personal because that's what connects you to your audience and breaks down that that barrier of trust that's been built up over time. Yeah. What, what's your? Well, I think of a few things when you when you talk about the one. I think about authenticity, and then I think about you because in, in your book, you you talk, you get very personal. You and some things are even about your son Axel when you talk about 
his 20 year plan of being in the NBA and the NFL. And, and I, and it's, that's riddled throughout your book to the point where, you know, because of who you are and because of his 20 year goal, he's attracted all these incredible coaches and people in his life to help him succeed, uh, to reach that goal. And, and that just, uh, that just resonated with me. I, I can't tell you how much that resonated. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, my son is a freshman in high school and, He's he's found a niche in cross country and track, and he he he's he ran in the state sectional as a freshman, and then in winter track, he he thought that he should have been running in a varsity race, and he and he didn't get selected from the team, and he really went off the rails, and because of my podcast and because of who I know and what I've done and the connections I've made, I was I was able to connect to a, a, multiple times to I think a friend of yours, Jeff Spencer. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and 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 Jeff Spencer was able to hop on the phone with my son, and, and he's an elite coach, and he was he spent an hour with my son and kind of you know talked him down to it, and and that's something that uh, uh that's totally invaluable you know for him and for me, and uh, so very grateful. Yeah, no, and and that's what it takes. I mean, you know, lucky you have access to a guy like Jeff Spencer who has been on, you know, teams that have won seven Tour de France's in a row. I mean. You know, listen, the dude knows what it takes to win a gold medal, knows what it takes uh, to be a world champion, knows. And those are the people who only see the possibilities. Everyone else is looking for the impossibilities. Right. But not a guy like Jeff Spencer. You know, he's looking for how do we win this gold, not how do we lose this gold? And that's what the world, that's how the world thinks about. They're thinking about how can I eliminate myself? How can I cancel myself? And, and, you know, as we go through, you know, as this pandemic goes on, I find that the people who make things happen, regardless of the obstacle standing in front of them, will be the ones on the front of this wave once the world goes forward which by the time people are listening to this, maybe it has gone forward by now. And then the people who are always looking for an opportunity to cancel themselves or eliminate themselves from greatness, they'll certainly take this pandemic as an excuse to eliminate themselves from greatness. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Now, I, I want to talk to you about mindset, primarily because of what's going on. And I want to read something right from your book and then maybe – See if you could alter it from what's going on today. So this is from your rules. This is rule number five. I won't go with it alone. We're social creatures. It's just the way we're made. We create communities. We live in groups. We want connection. Well, we are like we're not supposed to have any connection right now other than with our family. So when it comes to mindset, what, what, do, you, what, what do you have to say about this? Well, being that I, this, I have a lot to say about, uh, you know, the, the situation we're in now because we're, we're in our homes with our families, right? So that is your initial team right there. So let's talk about building your team right there because it's true. Nobody wins alone. If you look at anybody who's achieved any kind of greatness, all you have to do is look around who was around them when they were kids, who was around them as they were becoming adults, who's around them. That's the people who build this thing. You know, there's this whole theory. It's not a theory, really. It's, it's just, it's fact, right? 
the Spartans were the greatest warriors, right? They, they grew up in a warrior culture. That was their culture. And Stephen Pressfield wrote this great book called The Warrior Ethos, and he talks a lot about the Spartans, and he talks a lot about who has who's responsible for every war that's ever been won. And we can we can push this forward right into elite athleticism, elite uh, uh, leadership, everything that's elite here today. We can draw right back to why why those people are elite. And Stephen Pressfield in the book talks about Spartan moms. It was the women who decided who won the wars back in Sparta. It was the women who decided who won, won every war since that time. So every war that America's been in, that we've won, it wasn't the men who won the war. It was the women, because if the women buckled under body bags or under um, losing their sons or their husbands, if they buckled, then the whole country would buckle along with them. But the women of Sparta, they did not buckle. The, 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 the Spartan moms told their kids, handed their sons shields, and they said, come back with this shield or come back on this shield. So they, and if you look at anybody who's elite, who's, uh, uh, you know, ultimate prize fighter, uh, 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 an elite athlete, an elite CEO, an elite chiropractor, an elite functional medicine doctor, it is the family that makes them that way because they don't buckle under all the sacrifice and all the pain and all the blood and sweat and tears that it goes into being elite. And as soon as that Spartan mom buckles, you know your career is over. You will never reach the top. So right now, being that we're, you know, in our homes with our families, that is where you start building your team from, is your family. Now, us dads, most people think, oh, it's the dad that makes an elite athlete. No, it's never the dad because most of us, I had a dad, right? Um, but most of us elite athletes had no dads. So that's why when you see them on TV, they always say, thanks, mom. Hi, mom. They're, they're talking to their moms because the moms are the ones that got them into the NFL. Their moms who made them the heavyweight champion of the world. It wasn't their dads because a lot of us never had dads. But dad's position now is to be like my position in my family is to have a big vision for them and really be their cheerleader. The mom is the one, like my wife Dawn, she's the one who says my kids get to be elite because on this, on their way to being the best at their chosen fields, there's going to be surgeries. There's going to be the missing of a prom date. There's going to be the, they're, they're going to miss birthday parties. They're going to miss things, right? And the mom cannot buckle in those situations. The mom is the tough one. And, and as soon as the mom goes like this, as soon like when I had my first knee surgery, when I was like 16 or 17 in high school, what if my mom would have buckled? What if she would have sat in that operating uh, uh, waiting room and said, I don't want this for my son. 
I don't want his dreams to come true if he has to go through knee surgeries like this and I have to sit in the waiting room of this knee surgery. What if she would have done that? Well, you know, in the end, you guys, I had seven knee surgeries, right? But what it, and you might think that's a bad thing, but what it did give me was perseverance, was that my mom will not buckle. And this, I will go to the top come hell or high water. And that's what we're building for our family inside our home. And that's my wish for everybody who's staying home with your family now, is you all get behind each other's dreams and visions of greatness. And you make sure that that person fulfills on their birthright, which is to be the best in the world at their dream, at their declaration. Well said. You know, in, in my day and day business, you know, we say always that, you know, the moms, they make all the health care decisions for their family. That's 100 percent true. Moms yep. make all the health care decisions. And my story yeah. starts with my mother, too. Even though I have an absolutely fantastic father, my story started with my mother as well. So I I, uh, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of themes in your book, but but one of them um, is a four step process. I was wondering if you can kind of quickly go over declaration, preparation, acceleration and domination. Yeah, let's let's talk about declaration first. Now, this is the very first thing you guys. So it's no different, as you might have guessed by now, the Declaration of Independence is is it's big in my, my life because it was written so long ago. And and you and me. And our kids and everybody we know, at least here in America, keeps that vision, keeps that declaration alive every day by the way we by the way we live our lives. So the first thing is declaration. So most people like they like the word goals, they like the word mission, or they like the word vision. I love this declaration. I love making a declaration. I want to be the best safety in the world. I want to be the best stage performer in the world. I want to be the best speaker in the world. I want to be the first guy to play in the NBA or and the and the NFL at the same time. I want to be the best pastry chef. I want to be the best ballerina in the world. Those are those are declarations that you live you bring to life on day 1 of the declaration. You start living it now, today. You don't have to wait and do a big to-do list to reach this. You have to start living it today, that declaration, and you bring it to life, and so does your whole family. I love declaration. That's why I use that term, declaration. So all of you have to have that. And here's a little tip. Use the word the best in your declaration. Use the term the best because... If you don't, you're going to get second best, right? Because whatever your declaration is, this has my, been, been my experience my whole life. I've been doing this since I was nine. Um, they're, it's going to come true. So it's hard to be mediocre, right? It, and it's hard to be the best. So it's equally as hard, right? Because, you know, it's just going to take a lot of work for you to be second best or third best or or 137th best. It's going to take a lot of work for you to get there. So you might as well. It's going to take you the same work to be the best. So choose the best. You see what I mean? The work is the same and it's going to come true. So it might as well, you might as well say you're going to be the best in the world at that thing because the, the work is equal. Okay, that's declaration. 
the second part is acceleration, right? Or preparation. I'm sorry. Preparation is second. So uh, the, uh, the first thing I'd say about preparation is remember its mindset. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Who are you? Who are you and I? What does Mother Nature say that we are? The news media tells you you're mediocre, right? Your school teacher told you you were stupid, right? Your coach told you you were kind of okay at football or basketball, but you kind of suck. Your ballet teacher told you you were okay, right? But what does Mother Nature tell you? She tells you you're number one. You were born against all odds, 300 million to one odds that you would be born. The day you were born, the day you were conceived, you and me, um, there was 300 million sperm released on that day. You were one of them. And that was a race. That was a swimming race to the death. And there was only one winner. There was no second place. Right. And you tell me against 300 million to one odds who won the first race you ever entered. You did. I did. There's no accident there. So now you're supposed to be born into a world and try to try to fit into um, this model that says you're mediocre. We don't fit into that model. It's not it's not in our DNA. So stop it. Remember who you are. That's preparation, your mindset. The third uh, principle is acceleration, which is it's going to be right up your alley because this is your field. Right. Acceleration is you have to ask yourself this question. If my declaration is going to take 12, 15, 20 years to uh, for me to be the best in the world at this thing, do here's the question you have to ask yourself. Do I have the stamina to fulfill on that dream, on that declaration? And you have to ask yourself, do I have the health? Do I have the vitality? Do I have the virility to last that long? You better start making some investments right now to assure yourself that you're going to be here in in 20 years because you're going to be the you're going to be the best in the world at a thing. And then all of a sudden you're going to have some catastrophic injury or heart attack or cancer or something that takes you out. And now you can't even share because now you're at the top. Now you have wisdom. You know how to teach people. You know how to inspire people. But you don't have the energy to do it because you didn't put in the investments. So that's where you guys come in, right? Is that acceleration is the investment you put into your vitality, to your energy, so that once you reach the 20 years, you got another 20 to share it and, 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 and impact the world. That's acceleration. And the last principle is domination, which we've, we've touched on already, which is that team that you're going to build. Now, because when you guys are listening to this, we may be in a, a quarantine still. You're building your, your team from within, from your family, right? But eventually you're going to go outside your family and you're going to start to get A players that help you fulfill this dream, right? So, you know, you talked about it earlier, Noah. My son, he has this big dream. It's so big that no one's ever done it before, right? So it, it might as well be, hey, Bo, we're going to put a man on Pluto and he's going to live on Pluto. Well, his dream might as well be the same. We got to figure out a way and we got to put a team together to fulfill on that birthright of, of uh, occupying Pluto. 
And so imagine the stakes that are, at, you know, the, the stakes that we have in place. We have to build an A team around him to fulfill on that dream. So same is true for you. That's why I don't want your dream to be like mediocre. I don't want your declaration to be kind of average. It's got to make you play a huge game, like the biggest game that requires everything of you so that we get the A players around you so that they assure you that you fulfill on this declaration. So those are the four principles, just really quickly. You'll get more information in the book on those. And actually, what I love about the book, Noah, is that, you know, there's no plan B for your A game. Um it's really easy. It's very your life will be very simple based on this book because you will realize if you're not the best in the world right now, today, this minute, then you're opting for something else. You have an option. You have a, 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 a plan B. If you don't have a plan B, then you're assured that plan A is going to work. Here's the problem. Nobody has just a plan A. They always have a fallback plan. They want a soft landing on their failures. I don't I don't have those for my kids. I don't have those for myself. There's no plan B. So if the less options you have, the more successful you are. Then you know that that plan A is going to happen. So <clears throat> at the end of each chapter in the book, um, what you'll find is action steps. Like, well, you're going to put you to work so you can do this. And there's no better time than now <clears throat> to do it because – You've got the time to do it. You've got the focus and the energy to do it. And um, and you've got the team around you, your family, uh, to fulfill on that. Yeah. <clears throat> a few other things that I really liked in the book. One, you know, when most people talk about uh, creating a new habit, they talk about 21 days. You talk three times plus three days. You talk 66 days. Is that just something through experience you found is a better number? Is it as simple as that? I've used them all, just like all of you probably, changing a habit or getting, you know, doing something different for 20. I used to hear this term 21 days, then I heard 30 days. And then the most current study out of the University of London is saying this. And this, re think about this, you guys. You're going to love this. 66 days, and it's such a weird number, right, 66. So what the University of London study says that if you do something for 66 days, then on day 67, it's going to be harder not to do that thing rather than to do that thing. So take, for example, uh, we stop drinking wine. Uh, so no wine for 66 days in a row and you just mark off those 66 days and you you're not drinking wine one after the other one after the other and on day 67 you guys it's actually harder to drink wine than it is to not drink wine after 66 days so that's the current study so i thought wow that's a cool timeline you know because it's a weird number so we started doing it with our kids Right. And we started uh, uh, working on skills that they needed, like, say, speed. 
So if you're going to be the best athlete on the planet in 20 years, well, let's break it down into 66-day increments. Like, okay, so you're neat, you're going to have to be fast. So let's use the first 66 days to learn how to put your foot in the in the ground and generate energy into the ground because the fastest people in the world uh, can put the most energy into the ground. So that's one skill that 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 my son will definitely need in the next 20 years. So let's take 66 days and master that one particular granular skill of putting your foot into the ground. Um, and what we found is that at the end of those 66 days, he's he's got it. You know, it's harder to go back to not putting your foot into the ground. It's hard to go back to running slow. You just can't do it because your body's used to it now. Now you go on to the next 66 days and you take on the new skill set, which might be, oh, I want to learn how to write a book. Okay, so let's take 66 days and learn and write for 66 days so that day 67, you're still writing. Day 68, you're still writing. So take this 66 days. There's a great I, – I take a whole section in the book – and, and we give great examples because my kids do them and I do them. And it really helps you get through this long slog of 18, 20 years of your declaration. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, when people talk about goal setting, you usually hear, you know, SMART, S-M-A-R-T, and R is realistic. You very clearly – I know. You very really realistic, very – clearly in a book say your goals should not be realistic right yeah it's completely one of the rules is is in the book is i will be completely unreasonable <laughs> you you guys just think of anybody reasonable in your life now they're they're nice to have like i like when like there's certain jobs, there's certain people in my life who are reasonable and they're, they, they play their role well, like accountants. I like when my accountant's reasonable, right? But I, but when you're talking about us, us leaders, us people on the front lines of our vision, you know, the guy, the gal, the one that people are going to, the figurehead, that's you and me, I love you, you, I mean, I just don't, I just don't think you can be unreasonable. I don't think you can be reasonable in that position. You got to be completely unreasonable. So think about, uh, here's a great example. And uh, some of you might be shaking your heads right now, but you know, when John F. Kennedy said, we're, he just got up on the podium and he said, we're going to put a man on the moon and return him safely to earth within the decade. Now, when he said that, that was completely unreasonable, right? So imagine the reasonable guys at NASA who heard him say that from the podium. They must have turned to each other and said, what in the hell did he just say? What did he just say? Because they knew now that they were going to have to get to work and bring this declaration into existence. And they had a timeline, right? So here's the beauty of it. John F. Kennedy dies, right? He's assassinated, and the declaration still came true because those guys and gals at NASA had to all of a sudden become unreasonable. Like, how are they? How are we gonna? 
How are we going to get them off the moon? Once we get them on the moon, how are they going to get back here? And they're going to be alive. How's that going to be? They just said, F it. They had to throw all caution to the wind and they had to figure the shit out, just like you and me have to do right now in the situation we're in. So you have to be completely unreasonable to do that. If you told me last last year, Noah, hey, Bo, you know, I know you got a busy schedule and stuff, but hey, here, we want you to write a book that's like 350 pages long and you got, you're raising your three kids at the same time and I want you to keep up your, your daily schedule. I, a reasonable guy would say this, there's no way in hell I have time to do that. But an unreasonable fool like myself goes, oh, yeah, I, I got what it takes, man. I'll do it. And sure enough, the unreasonable guy comes through with the pages and becomes a seven-time bestseller and has to promote that book and has to raise the kids and has to, you know, and has to fulfill on their dreams and my own speaking uh, things. And, and just like all of us, if you were reasonable, would you be living this life right now? No, you would be hunkered down uh, under a blanket, hoping nobody calls on you for anything. But no, you can't do that. That's for reasonable people. Unreasonable people have to create during this time. We have to make sure that we put a man on the moon and get him back safely to Earth, regardless of the situation. And we have to do it. Be, we have to do it in a timeline that is completely unreasonable. And we have to do it against the Russians who are way ahead of us in this uh, uh, race to the moon. And we have to do it given our leader is not here anymore. The very guy who made the declaration is now not living. So that is completely throwing caution to the wind and being unreasonable. Look, you would not be who you are. You certainly wouldn't be on this podcast if you were a reasonable person. You just wouldn't. And I have never looked to a reasonable person when I wanted to get some shit done. If I want my son to be the best athlete on the planet in 20 years, I go to unreasonable people to help me, not reasonable people, because reasonable people would say what? That's impossible, Bo. The stats of that happening are really impossible because no one's ever done it in the history of humankind, so it can't happen. I'm not going to those people, you guys, because I need to get this shit done. <laughs> Well, you know, as we wind down, Bo, I have a few last questions for you. One the question I ask every single guest, uh, Bo, what's your daily routine from waking to sleeping? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty simple, you guys. I bet you all do the same thing. You know, I drink a, you know, 20 ounces of water right, right as I'm going to the bathroom initially. Like, first thing I'm doing, I'm going to the bathroom and I'm drinking the water down at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then I, do, I have I like coffees, but I've cut down on coffee uh, lately. So I, I'll have coffee. I'll have a smoothie that's filled with a lot of, uh, you know, it has protein in it. It has a lot of other things in it that my doctor um, has me doing. My functional medicine doctor has me doing. And um, I go through supplements each day. I usually get a breathing um, exercise in every day, which then 
like a, like a, uh, uh, I have a breathing coach. Uh, he's actually a client and I love, uh, this, you know, even though you and me, you know, this is the first thing we do when we're born and it's the last thing we do when we die is we, you know, we exhale and we inhale, um, to do it as an exercise, to do it as a ritual, uh, actually breathing properly and breathing deeply and doing breath holds and stuff like that. Um, I found that to really make me feel good. And then that heads right into a meditation and kind of a visualization. And usually my son and I do this together because he's usually visualizing about uh, basketball or football or speed or something like that. And I'm usually visualizing it about my health, about my vitality, because I'm 59 now. And I, I want to remain being having the same mindset as an elite athlete. And so I'm usually visualizing and meditating on my health, my vitality, my energy, and seeing myself um, for the next 20 years really being vital in that way. So I usually go through that. Um, and then there's usually a section of the day that I'm kind of writing, whether it's informal or formal. I'm usually writing a list or writing down thoughts that I'm having. And usually this happens while I'm working out. So a lot of times... I'll be on a stationary bike or I'll be working out in our gym and I have these papers all stuck, you know, those big old notepads that stick to the walls. They're big, you know, they're like posters and I have them all over my gym walls and they're all over my office walls and I continually put down thoughts that I'm having and usually that'll turn into a speech or a, a chapter in a book or even a sentence in a speech that I'm giving. So, and those things usually come to me, you guys, when I'm moving, like exercise. When I'm moving, I usually get all these great ideas. Like I wrote my play, you guys, while I was training to run a marathon. So as I was on these long, long runs, the ideas of the dialogue of the play came to me in the middle of a 10-mile run. So something about movement and expression uh, kind of goes hand in hand with me. And a lot of the expression, you guys, the stuff that I write down, the stuff that I record is is crap, right? Like it's unusable. But pearls will be in between that crap. Like there'll be stuff that's unusable. Then all of a sudden a pearl will fall out of my mouth or an idea of something will fall out of my brain right in the middle of me struggling through a run or through a bike ride or through, you know, lifting weights. So I'm constantly doing that, and I, I'm, we're, we're very big on meals here in the Easton household, especially now. I have a daughter who wants to be the top pastry chef, right? So she's this amazing chef, so she's been cooking her butt off. She's 15. Her name's Eloise. And so we eat a lot of great foods, and we re eat a lot of healthy foods, and we eat as a family, especially dinner um, we eat a lot of dinners together and, you know, I, I just love that time. Um, so in the afternoons, I usually keep my afternoons really open, Noah, um, unless I'm on the road or something um, for the kids practices and rehearsals for dance and track and, and football and basketball and those kinds of things. Um, I always love to watch them develop. Uh, so that's a big part of, of what I do. Um, and then I'm really, you know, Don and I are really focused on sleep. You know, we have these uh, aura rings. I'm sure a lot of you know about the yeah, aura ring. And we're really measuring. Yeah, we're, we're measuring our sleep and getting, you know, 
good, good health and good sleep. So, um, you know, that's, that's really our, you know, that's really my day. And if, you know, if, obviously if I'm on the road, certain things change, but, um, I'm constantly, here's one thing that I would, that I do kind of naturally all day, every day that I'd love everyone to just at least know about, uh, Noah and, um, is I take the pulse of the culture every day. And I do this kind of innately now because I've been doing it so long. And at first it might be mechanical for you, but take the pulse of the culture. And if you just close your eyes for a minute, or even if you just turn on the news media for five minutes, you'll feel and you'll hear where the culture is headed, where it kind of collectively wants to go. And then you must bravely turn in the opposite direction and go counter to the culture. That way, you know who to look for for leadership. You All you have to do is look in the mirror because you cannot lead if you are going with the culture. You can only lead if you're going counter to the culture. So I like to know who my leaders are. And I preferably that would be me. So I you must go bravely in the opposite direction of the of the culture that you're in. That's some that that's that's a great bit of advice. I will I will take that into high consideration and start thinking that way. Thank you for that one. That was a great answer. Yeah. Thank you, Bo. Uh, yeah, Bo. What's the best way to get in touch with you, your courses, your events? Those, the link to the book will be will be in the show notes, and we've talked a lot about the book. But what about your other programs and things? Where where can people find those? Yeah, the the BoeisonBook.com is the you know is the place uh, for the you know the what what they'll get uh, Noah now you know is a a, a free guide. Um, you know, that really takes them through the nuts and bolts of the book and, you know, then get the book, too. But they can do the action steps and follow the guide and 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 work through it the, uh, similar to the way you did. Um, but I also, you know, I have courses, you know, and at Boeson.com um, is our, my website. And I have courses where I train people for three days at a time. I also have masterminds, you know, where people spend a year with me or several years with me and um Though uh, Boeson.com would be the best place to look for those things. They can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, obviously. Um, but that that's that that is the best place to get a hold of me. And you know, if you really you know are serious about these things, we can go to the level of depth that you want to go in, especially once the wor- world um, you know goes forward. Um, and but I think the book is is a great start especially in the environment that we're in now, because I just think if you build your environment, especially your home environment right now, it takes care of about 80% of the problems. Once your home environment is designed in a certain way, then these dreams and these declarations that are so big that you and your kids have, your environment will actually I know that may sound crazy, but once you get that in the book and you go through the the the, the free guidebook, you'll uh, and go through the action steps, you'll really get 
wow, I'm going to build my environment and design my environment that is equivalent to me being world class. That is something that we can really grab hold of right now, and I'd love for people to do that. Well, thanks so much, uh, Bo. You know, you, you've been on my virtual Jedi Council for a long time, so it's a great honor to interview you today. And I'm going to make a, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a realistic uh, declaration that you will see me in one of your three-day classes in 2021. I don't think it's going to happen in 2020, so I'll say 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to have you there. I'd lo love to have you there, Noah. And I'd love, here's what I love about it is because once you get, you know, belly to belly and you can get your hands on people, and then my movement coach, which is a whole other section of the book, uh, it's called Predator, um, Jean Louis Rodrigue, when he gets his hands on you, it's a whole different life you're living. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, th those of you who are chiropractors, you know that a great chiropractor, it's so funny. They make one adjustment and everything falls into alignment where other coaches or other uh, chiropractors who aren't as seasoned and aren't as world class, they got to make several adjustments. But a lot of times I love the chiropractors who go, oh, I see the problem. And once that problem is taken care of, everything's going to fall into alignment. I just love those kind of things. And my movement coach, Jean-Louis Rodrigue, he's like that. Well said. Well said. Well, thanks again, Bo. My name is Dr. Noah DeCoy, your co-host, and you're listening to the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. If you like what you've heard today, please share this with your friends. Encourage them to subscribe on iTunes. Thank you. And as my oldest son, Hayden, says, be awesome and never unawesome. It's Dr. Noah, and I'm back. I suspect you loved listening to this week's podcast release. Our book of the month is High Fiber Keto, a 22-day science-based plan to fix your metabolism, lose weight, and balance your hormones by Naomi Wittell. You can listen to my interview with Naomi at the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast archives, date April 20th, 2020, just a few weeks ago. The link to purchase will be in all our emails, social media, and in the show notes. Our product of the month is Pretty Frank, formerly called Primal Pit Paste. Pretty Frank is committed to making safe, high-quality, and earth-friendly products without compromise. Their line consists of deodorant, body care, oral care, and skin care products. One of their taglines is 100% natural ingredients, zero BS. No aluminum, no parabens, no harsh chemicals. Very timely, they just released a brand new hand purifier as well, scented with eucalyptus and lavender essential oils. Our supplement of the month is BYWG's Deep Sleep Assist. Deep Sleep Assist is a specialized combination of scientifically backed herbs, minerals, adaptogens, and amino acids that help you get to sleep, stay asleep, and achieve deeper levels of sleep so you wake rested and renewed. The May 4th podcast release will be a deeper dive into this unique effective sleep aid. The 10% discount code for the month of May is SLEEP10. That's lowercase S-L-E-E-P-10, whether you order online or pick up at the office. If you have any questions or comments, please never hesitate to reach out to us. Thank you for your time, and be awesome and never unawesome. <laughs>